Zolana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Unfortunately, my entire family has been sick, so you may notice from the sound of my voice that I'm still a little bit under the weather, so please bear with me. To start, I'd like to first announce the winners from last episode's drawing giveaway. There's three winners this time. Remember last time I spoke about the beautiful yarn on the house yarns? And everyone who left a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 86 had a chance to win one of the three color collections. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to announce that the winners of these lovely yarns are Kathy or Cathode Ragtube on Ravelry, Krista or Knit One Pug Two on Ravelry, and finally Deborah Lloyd or Jasper Kitty on Ravelry. Congratulations. I'll be in touch with each of you shortly to get your shipping address and to get these prizes mailed out to you. Thank you so much to everybody who participated. Before we get started on today's show, I have a few exciting announcements to share with you. Firstly, I mentioned recently that I'll be teaching at the Lantern Moon Knitting Retreat in Sisters, Oregon this March, which I'm so excited about. But I want to say that if you've been thinking about attending, I just found out that there are still a few spots left, so please get in touch if you're interested in signing up. I'll provide a link in the show notes to all the info again if you'd like to find out more. I am so looking forward to this. I know it's going to be a blast. Secondly, I'll be attending the Stitches West convention again this year, and again sharing a booth with Lisa Sanchez of Becoming Art Yarns. We'll be in booths 1039 and 1041, just like last year. So if you're going, please stop by and say hello. I'll have knitted samples, all of my books, patterns for myself, as well as a few friends like Kate Oates from Tot Toppers, Hannah Fettig from Knitbot, Quince and & Company, and even Susan B. Anderson. And of course, as usual, all of this will be displayed with Lisa's stunning yarn, and we'll be more than happy to help you find the perfect yarn to fit whatever project you're interested in. I'm super excited to show all of you attending all of my new samples and patterns, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing everybody again this year. Also, I wanted to let everyone know about a really exciting knit-along happening over in the Two Knit Lit Chicks podcast group on Ravelry, which is being organized by Barb and Tracy, the hosts of the podcast. This knit-along is called the Alana-along. How cool is that, right? It runs from February 1st to April 1st, and it's a knit-along for my patterns. If you follow the rules and post a picture of your finished project in the Knit Along thread by April 1st, you will have the chance to win some really awesome prizes. So in the show notes, I'll provide a link to the forum thread so you can find out more about this Knit Along. 
Now, if you never participated in something like this before, you should definitely give it a try. It's a lot of fun. It's a way to share the process with other knitters. In the knit-alongs I've been part of, people share pictures and, and they ask questions and they get encouragement from others who are knitting the same item. I myself will be checking in regularly on the thread to see if I can offer any assistance. I can't wait to see everybody's entries. This might just be the first time someone has organized a knit-along for my patterns. I feel truly honored. Lastly, I want to mention that I have a brand new hat pattern available for purchase called Perennial. This hat, like most other Never Not Knitting patterns, has a textured botanical leaf motif. Of course, this time it's growing up one side of the hat. I've had this particular leaf in mind for quite some time, so I'm thrilled to finally find a good application for it in one of my designs. I'm very happy with how this little hat turned out. This pattern is available for purchase in PDF form on my blog or on Ravelry.com, as well as in print at your local yarn shop. In an effort to support local yarn stores, I implemented a new feature on my printed patterns that I wanted to tell you about. On the back of my patterns now, you'll find a sticker with a scratch-off code that you can use to download the digital version of the pattern you've just purchased. And the best part is that this PDF that you download will be stored in your Ravelry library so you can always find it. So now, when you support your local yarn shop and purchase my patterns there in print, you'll receive two formats for the price of one. Now I know that all of you listening may not necessarily have a yarn shop near you, so that's why I'm still offering a PDF-only purchase option, but I really would prefer it if you would purchase the pattern in print and support the stores that we all love so much. I will provide a link in the show notes to the new perennial hat pattern so you can see it for yourself and learn more about it. Well, that was quite a few announcements to share. Now let's talk knitting. In keeping with my current obsession of knitting children's items, I made a super cute vest for my son a few weeks ago, and now I'm knitting him yet another sweater. The vest pattern I knit is called Tycoon Vest by Kate Oates from Top Toppers, and it's a button-down v-neck vest with two tiny pockets in this wonderful all-over textured pattern created by slipping stitches. The textured fabric really makes the vest in my opinion, but also since so many stitches are slipped and there's so many little strands of yarn running across the wrong side of the fabric, it's super warm, thick, and cozy. I made my son's vest out of Broco Ultra Alpaca in an olive green heathered color that I've had in my stash since before my son was born. I bought this yarn while pregnant with him with every intention of making him a sweater out of it. And it only took me about three years to actually get around to doing it. Now this yarn purchasing experience in particular really sticks in my mind. I bought it from a local shop and when my gigantic pregnant self was checking out at the counter, the lady helping me asked, what are you going to make? I told her I was planning to knit it into a sweater for my soon-to-be-born baby boy, and her face 
looked puzzled and kind of disgusted. Oh, I wouldn't have guessed that that's an odd choice for a new baby. Now, I'm not the type to dress a newborn baby in pastels, so to me it was a perfectly normal choice. But now I'm kind of wondering if subconsciously her comment kept me from using the yarn right away, like I had originally planned. No matter what that older lady at the shop thinks, I still feel like it's a great color. It's sophisticated and beautiful with little heathered flecks of gold. My son looks great in it. And I'm happy to report that this vest did not require any bribery for him to put on. I just simply put the vest on him, snapped a few photos, and he didn't say a thing about it. I think that we're finally making some good progress with his feelings towards hand knits, which makes me want to knit even more for him. So currently on the needles, I have the beautiful Arlo cardigan from Brooklyn Tweed Kids. I love this pattern so, so much. As soon as I saw it months ago, I knew I would someday make it for my little guy. It's a gorgeous cabled cardigan with a shawl collar. And the texture of the cables is to die for. And it is so fun to knit too. A couple of weekends ago, I had the pleasure of visiting Monarch Knitting in Pacific Grove, again to teach a class, and I impulse bought five skeins of Quince and Company's Lark yarn in a pretty pale gray colorway called Frost, and I knew immediately what this yarn had to become. It is working up beautifully in the Arlo pattern. The yarn offers fabulous stitch definition, so it really makes the cables pop. I've finished the back of the sweater. I'm almost done with the second front. And from now on, it's just gonna be easy because the sleeves are just in stockinette stitch. So I think I'm gonna get it done really soon and I'll have pictures to share. I know that this is definitely gonna be one of my favorite sweaters for him. So in this episode, I have a great book and some lovely yarn to share with you. Recently, I was sent a beautiful sampling of Blacker Yarns, West Country Tweed, all the way from the UK. All Blacker Yarns are made in Cornwall, England, using select fleece from regional and rare British breeds. But this West Country Tweed that I have right here in front of me is an extra special limited edition blend. I'll share with you the information on this yarn taken from the Blacker Yarns website because I felt that they described their yarns in a very eloquent way. It says, West Country Tweed, a lovely new slightly felted tweedy yarn. This will be an occasional limited edition as the fleeces are very special. The base is a Teeswater or Romney Shetland cross wool, very soft and lustrous and from a single farm in the Mendip Hills of Somerset, combined with a little black Welsh mountain wool from a small flock in Devon. These wools are blended to a subtle heathered pale gray, scoured together, and then dyed in the wool before carding. A scattering of colored neps, tiny balls of wool dyed in many colors, is added to the carded fiber before spinning. The first edition comes in a natural gray and three heathered shades of purple, olive, and blue to reflect the moorland landscapes of the West Country. 
these snaps are very subtle, just showing an occasional glint amongst the heather. Now, doesn't that just sound amazing? I just love a yarn with the story behind it. So I have here one skein of this lovely British wool in each of these limited edition colorways. A heathered gray, olive, purple, and blue. And the best news is that I have two sets of these four skeins to give away in this episode's drawing giveaway. So all of you have a chance to enter to win and try out this yarn for yourself. Now after thinking long and hard about what kind of project would be great for this lovely wool in four colors, I felt that this yarn would just be perfect for a Fair Isle design. Traditionally Fair Isle, or two color knitting, is worked in rustic wools such as this because of how the fibers kind of interlock and bloom to fill in the gaps on the finished piece. Last summer, I had the privilege of meeting Mary Jane Mucklestone when I was in Cordova, Alaska, and Mary Jane is pretty much the Fair Isle queen. She's written three extensive books on the subject and has published over 300 Fair Isle stitch patterns. And also I learned that she's traveled the world, gaining inspiration for her designs from local culture and architecture. She spent time in the Andes Mountains, Iceland, and the Shetland Isles, just to name a few places. I greatly enjoyed meeting Mary Jane, and I found the stories that she told fascinating. I'm very happy to have here two copies of her book, 150 Scandinavian Motifs, provided by the publishers, to add to this episode's drawing prize. So that means that two winners will be selected this time, who will each receive a copy of Mary Jane's book, along with four skeins of the limited edition Blacker yarn. I think that this book is the perfect accompaniment to this yarn, and whoever wins will have so much fun playing around with the vast number of stitch patterns provided. All you'll need to do to enter to win this awesome prize is leave a comment on my blog under the show notes for episode 87. You'll have until February 15th to enter to win, and I'll be announcing the two winners on my next episode. I will also provide links to Mary Jane Mucklestone on Ravelry, as well as the awesome Blacker Yarns website in this episode's show notes for you to check out. Now, if you're interested in learning how Mary Jane Mucklestone became the queen of Fair Isle, I have a little surprise for you. Today's knitting story was kindly contributed by Mary Jane herself, and this is the story of her own personal knitting journey, entitled, All the Colors. I'm Mary Jane Mucklestone, and it is a wonder I knit at all. Really, honestly. I've made so many false starts, you'd think I'd give up. I've always liked making things. From the time I was a little girl, I was always making things out of whatever was around, and I was always drawn to textile things especially. Growing up, I was surrounded by colorful textiles, some my great-grandmothers made, and a lot that my family collected on our travels. We were always picking up stuff wherever we went. We had one of those old-fashioned standing sewing boxes, which probably was one of the great-grandmothers, the kind with the little flip lids and wooden trays that were full of mysterious things that no one in my family knew how to use. No one in my family at that time was a stitcher. 
So one thing it held was a skein of pearly green acrylic yarn. A little frightening, a little knobbly, yet strangely compelling. And also some thin red aluminum knitting needles. Really thin and really sharp, like weapons. And I can't really remember how this happened or really even why this happened. But when I was about four, my next door neighbor, who was the grooviest girl on the planet, she had a flip hairdo, taught me how to knit with that yarn on those needles. I made a troll blanket. I was a quick learner, and the next day I easily knit enough garter stitch to cover my trolls. And then I had to wait. I had to wait until Mary came home from school because I needed to know how to get the blanket off the needle without the loops coming undone. And nobody in my family had a clue. When she finally got home and looked at my knitting, she admired my stitching. She told me what a nice little blanket I had made. She slipped it off the needle and she ripped it out until it was just a pile of ramen, pale pearly green ramen. So I never really knit again until I was, I don't know, 19 and my friend came home from Sweden knitting continental style and I just wanted to look as cool as she did. I just wanted to do that. But that is a really, really long story. So how about I tell you about the first time I tried to knit with double pointed needles. I was living in New York City at a time when not many people were knitting and by accident, I ran across some yarn and a set of double-pointed needles, a set of four double-pointed needles in one of those old basement shops on Essex Street. You know, those kind that used to sell odd lots from decades past, you know, like entire stock of, this must have been the entire stock of some 1950s yarn shop, I guess. A small yarn shop. They had a 1950s pattern book that had eerily gloved hands floating in a dark and sparkly outer space and I just wanted that book so I taught myself to knit mittens. The yarn was from the 50s too, Germantown worsted wool in a red that was so bright like set your teeth on edge bright it was so bright it looked acrylic but you know mittens are warmer if they're red. The instructions said cast on and divide on three needles Join and work ribbing. Hmm. What's that fourth needle for? Mm, I thought it was just a spare in case I lost one. You know, like an extra button. But I did think it was kind of hard to squeeze all those stitches around and around on three needles. But mittens were supposed to be hard. Even I knew that. But just think of how many thousands of people saw me painfully knitting those mittens while I rode the subway. I mean, really, you think someone would have said something. One day, I accidentally knit my work onto just two needles. Have you done that? And I, it finally dawned on me what that fourth needle was for. Mm-hmm. To knit with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To knit with. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the first time I tried cables, it was with a matchstick. But um, I guess you probably want to know about color work. So by this time, I'd moved to Maine, and I had babies, two small kids, and I could never afford enough yarn for an entire sweater, so I haunted the sale bin. And besides, I just wanted all the colors, and I got really tired of stripes. 
So I started making up color work patterns on kids' hats and sweaters. First, just alternating stitches and then making checkerboards and some zigzags. And I tried hearts, which I needed graph paper for. And so I started drawing on the graph paper. I started charting. I just drew and drew and drew. And I'd follow my little charts. Then eventually I got a job at the yarn shop. The sign said, Fun, flexible, help needed. I told him I could do a back bend. After a couple of weeks, the manager, Beth, took me aside and said she really wanted to bring this particular yarn in, and the owner never let her. But since there were two of us, maybe we could convince her, because Beth wanted to bring in all the colors, over a hundred. And although at this time I was afraid of really fine yarn, I didn't want to use a needle smaller than a six, Hello, a hundred colors? Mm-hmm, yeah. So you know it, baby. We convinced the owner and we got real Shetland wool and a full-blown love affair began. But even then, the fancy fair isle pattern seemed daunting. It looked way more complex than what I'd been doing. But you know, really it was just the same. And in a way, it was easier. Never more than two colors in a single round symmetrical patterns that are easy to memorize, not many stitches between color changes, and knit circularly so you never have to purl. And once I started, I never stopped. And I think everyone should do it because it's so much fun and you can use all the colors. Thank you so much, Mary Jane, for sharing your story with all of us. I hope that you listening enjoyed hearing from Mary Jane. And if while you were listening, you thought of your own story that you'd like to share, I invite you to please get in touch with me. I'm always looking for new stories to share on future podcast episodes. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, everybody, that's the end of episode 87 and pretty much all my voice can handle for today. So I hope that you'll join me again at the end of February for episode 88. And until next time, happy knitting. She won't even do the dishes The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching, and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. Nobody has clean laundry 
no pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters and more socks than they could ever wear. There's yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had